Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus. And this week we have on a very special guest, uh, Liz Anderson, who is an incredibly skilled performer, writer, um, all-around fantastic person. Uh, If you've heard of her, you've probably heard her on Campaign or from her own podcast, Paired, which she plugs all those things at the end of the episode, but I want to mention it anyway up top. I would have plugged Paired if you had not plugged Paired, so now we have both plugged it. (laughs) Good. We've both (laughs) done the things we intended to do today. (laughs) But she came on to talk about My Chemical Romance, which was, despite I think both of us not having really a lot of familiarity with the band, I was very excited about this because I feel like the like uh, community around My Chemical Romance is almost mimetic or or infamous in a way. Infamous sounds bad. Just well known. Yeah, I think I definitely, there is at least one video of some My Chemical Romance fans that went viral many years ago and recently made a comeback as they did which i'm sure everybody you've either seen it or you don't need to see it but you know because it's kind of it's kind of dunking on the fan base but they're also kind of dunking on themselves a little accidentally i think we all had that phase of really intense passion for something that maybe we are glad that when we were teenagers it was not recordable and on the internet <laughs> But now we can celebrate these things and not feel guilty about them. Yeah, yeah. I feel like despite the fact that like My Chemical Romance has a very specific like experience of like being gone for so long, I think like probably a lot of people have experiences where they've like seen a show that they like either have been like really anticipating or like have almost no expectations for. Like, do you have something like that? Like whether it was a concert or something where you were like so almost like so into it that like you weren't really even sure what to expect out of it? Um, I'm thinking, I mean, probably all the time. I, I think I never quite know what to expect from anything <laughs> in life, to be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've certainly I've had the experience of having bands that I was really into break up. And, you know, in, in that case, it was fortunate that I had already seen them live. So at least I didn't I didn't have that like, that same like devastating, crushing, I'll, now I'll never get to see them. And then mm-hmm. so I don't have a reference point for what it would be like if they then suddenly came back. But I definitely, uh, I think that particular band that I, I mentioned, I don't mention them by name, but that I mentioned briefly that I followed across country, they are a Japanese band. And so for a long time in their fandom, I didn't think I would ever get to see them because, you know, I was relatively young and it would have been very expensive to go to Japan to see a band. And it, it didn't seem like they had a chance of breaking through into the U.S. market. And then they did do a U.S. tour. And I think that first concert, that moment of really not you know, knowing what to expect and having never seen at that point a Japanese band before that that was very much like you have all these expectations and you have these these images uh, and you have the music to go off of and music videos, but you don't have what it feels like to be in the fandom and also to be in the space with them. So I do I do kind of understand. I think it's going to be I think Liz is maybe not completely prepared for how intense that's going to be, (laughs) but that's good. I think I think in a good way, I think it's a big wave to catch. I guess, emotionally. Yeah, it's funny because when I think about it, like in my experience, I feel like I've had bands that I've had a lot of like expectations for, but like I've never had that moment where like a band just like wasn't touring or like they were like indefinitely gone. Like if you missed them, there was always that thing of like, well, they might tour again sort of thing. And and I've definitely had bands where I've had like a lot of expectations and like preconceived notions of like how I want this experience to go. Like the first time I saw the Mountain Goats, I was like really uh, nervous because it was like so important to me. But like I've also had bands 
bands where it's like, I've listened to your music for like nigh on a decade and I don't actually have any idea how this show is going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what this live experience is going to be like literally at all. And then, and and that was literally just recently. I, I saw They Might Be Giants for the first time in concert and they shred. Like, it was incredible. <laughs> I was truly blown away because I had no idea what to expect. But yeah, I feel like I've never had quite had that, like, the sort of dream of being able to see a band, like, not be able to be fulfilled. And then, like, suddenly, like, the opportunity's back. Uh, so I'm, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm excited for Liz because it's like, I didn't, I don't have that and i'm excited to see you like experience that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i was not surprised in a way when this was the topic that she chose because i saw her get extremely excited on twitter about the my chemical romance tickets and i i saw her see the ones that were too expensive and i actually said to her at the time like i was about to slam buy them immediately like don't hesitate just good just you will not regret this just go and do it and then uh, that was when she had seen scalper tickets which i didn't know either at the time and she goes oh well they're they're seven hundred dollars for floor and i was like oh god no yeah <laughs> i will enable you but no that is that is too far i will enable um, you to a point <laughs> yeah to a point and I, I yeah i mean i guess i should have known better at the time but i don't mm-hmm. see a lot of uh arena bands i would say like bigger bands and i thought well it's possible but so i'm very glad that she's able to see them not just just once but twice i think that twice is important i think she would have been devastated if she'd seen them once and had had that one perfect snow globe moment but with these little kind of cracks where you're like oh but man if I'd been a little closer or if I had been a little less nervous about how it was going to go I would have enjoyed it more you know or I wish they'd played one different song than they did or there hadn't been a tall person in front of me or something so I'm glad she has that second chance too and there's something really freeing about like the less stress because it's like oh Mm -hmm. if the first one gets a little goes a little weird like you have less expectations on that one singular moment it's it's like a a safety net for for the experience and and I think uh, one of the great joys of live music is that the same band can play the same music in two different nights even in the same venue and it's not the same and that that's something that I, I hope that everybody has the chance to appreciate about about the live music experience especially with bands that they're really big fans of but without further ado uh, instead of just us talking about this beautiful live music experience you can listen to all of us talk about live music and, and my chemical romance so here we go Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time and for coming on. Hello. I'm excited to be here. Um, if you could just introduce yourself, uh, maybe talk a little bit about what you do, and then introduce the topic that you brought to talk about today. Uh, my name is Liz Anderson. I am uh, just kind of a jack of all trades. I am a performer on the on a couple different podcasts. I'm on the Campaign Podcast, uh, Autonomic, and uh, I also have my own podcast podcast called Paired, which is a mini comedy fiction podcast. And then I also am a writer by trade uh, and I'm currently acting as a contributor at The Onion and formerly at Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. But uh, don't have a job right now, so who knows? Oh, and then... Uh, oh, my thing. Oh, my thing. I forgot the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's okay. okay. I was like, nailed it. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing that I brought to talk about today is my chemical romance. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, it's 2020. My chem is back. What are we gonna do? I will. I will like go behind the scenes real quick and say when you sent me your topic, I was like in a stairwell at work and almost screamed, like just out of joy, like out of pure excitement. So I'm stoked. <laughs> it is so important, and I. It's not that I never thought we would get here. 
it's that by the time I was a fan, they had stopped touring. They were still like putting out like they put out Danger Days, but they I don't think they even did a tour for that album. And then all of a sudden they retired. So I was like, I don't think it's ever going to happen because it's been ever however many years. This, this is the 20th anniversary of the band existing, I think. And it's been five or six. And there, I think there's a lot of us where like we were a little bit too young to be able to see them and now we can see them and now we're old and have money <laughs> but yeah um for me my chem is definitely not a weird part of my life because when i say like i like a band it's not like oh i like a genre of music i like certain uh, certain tones or, or like pop music or i like these certain types like i don't like emo, emo music i like my chemical romance <laughs> that's what i like i don't know I, I just got so attached to them in high school and i remember having conversations with people who I thought were like had similar points of view and they said like oh yeah and I love Avenged Sevenfold and I love Good Charlotte and I just looked at them like I don't get it I don't get it guys <laughs> so that brings me to a pretty obvious question which is if you were not listening to emo music what kind of music were you listening to and who introduced you or what introduced you to My Chemical Romance in the first place I was listening to musicals what a dorkazoid <laughs> <laughs> yeah I grew up on musicals and then Man, I don't think I bought my first album of anything until I was 14. And there's that time when 13 and 14 where you're just trying to like rebel in some way. But I was also a very good child. So I didn't want to like go too far. This is going to sound like a joke, but my first album that I ever bought was Nickelback's The Long Road. <laughs> because they had a song with an F word in it. And I was like, hell yeah, dude. I bought it at the Virgin Mega Store in Orlando, Florida in downtown Disney. I have up like a picture perfect <laughs> oh memory gosh. of that yeah it was oh that entire alley of uh stores is now dead it doesn't bear any re resemblance to what it used to be but when it came to my camp i think that started because i heard i can't think of it must have been helena on the radio because i don't think black parade was out yet and i thought oh this is so like operatic and well, the kind of music i like is always very vocal heavy you can give me your radio heads or cold place or stuff but like i don't understand how you can form a band with a bad singer that's just foolish to me that he only has one job why doesn't he even do that great <laughs> so that's why i really got into it because of that as I said, Dorkazoid musical theater background because they had a lot of harmonies and high production value. And that's what I really liked. So then I can't remember who bought Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. I might have bought it. Someone bought it for me. It, no, definitely. I got it for Christmas because I remember we were driving across the Everglades to see our cousins in Weston that night for Christmas. And I was listening to it in the, in the, in the car. And my mom told me to turn it down because I was hurting my ears. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then it just kind of went from there. And then Black Parade came out, but by that time, oh, I was able to spend my own money. I was 17. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's kind of how it came about. I'm and, and like I said, there's just so few rock bands that really invest in singing. And the ones that do, like I'm I'm all for, but that that's kind of what the first impetus 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 i don't know impetus. Uh, whatever that was yeah so was this like something where you got that first album and you sort of like immediately dove into like being like all about you know the band or was it just sort of like a slow burn of like oh wait i really i kind of like this music and now it's like oh wait this is a huge part of my life now <laughs> well it was also kind of one of those things where i came into it late enough where there was already kind of the anti-pressure where especially like for mcr god love them but they kind of became the like 
oh, you're cheesy if that's the band you like. You don't write, like, real emo. So even by that time, it was kind of like, oh, well, bleh, that's it's not the coolest thing to say. So, like, I didn't have merch or anything. I desperately wanted to dress, like, in all black and with my studs. And I kind of got there, but my parents wouldn't let me not wear colors, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so I didn't, like, do any, like, real outward presentation of that. And for a long time, I think I just sort of kept to myself. But whenever it came up in conversation, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love that band. And it was actually like not until college where I felt like I could really just enthusiastically like something. And I think that goes for a lot of things. Like the first time you have a friend group that is unabashedly able to say things like or like be passionate about stuff, even if it's not cool. And sometimes you have that in high school and sometimes you only get that even post-grad. Sometimes people never get that. But that kind of freedom, I think, let me come out to be like, this is my favorite band and I really like them and I think no one gives them enough credit. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask whether or not um, soon after getting into the band, you tripped and fell headfirst into a hot topic or not. But I guess I guess not. Maybe maybe uh, partially parental. <laughs> I went in as much as I could. Uh, boy, Hot Topic nowadays, it's the same. I, I remember we uh, the last time I went to a Hot Topic was at Gen Con because Johnny and I drove in that day and then left that day. So we had about an hour to kill. So we went to the mall across from the convention center. And boy, the Hot Topic, it is half of it is anime for the first part. And I guess that's not that different, but like they don't have the sex stuff anymore. Uh, I think whatever lines were blurred between Spencer's and Hot Topic, they just like took that all <laughs> took it to Spencer's. But yeah, um, I always dipped in and wished that I could buy stuff, but I always chickened out, which is not the most rock and roll thing. <laughs> a relatable thing, I think, though. Yeah, I'm a big baby. No, it's it's interesting because Anne and I were talking, like, before we started that, like, I somehow entirely missed the, like, wave of, like, emo music and My Chemical Romance. Like, just, it completely, yeah. like, flew by me, and I have no idea how, but I think, it, I think, I just, like, keep thinking about the fact that, like, how weirdly localized these things can be but it feels mm -hmm. like everyone knows like everyone was into my chemical romance when i was in high school but like for some reason it just completely misses some people <laughs> oh i felt the same way about like pokemon when it first started but that was like 2000 and some or, no that was the 90s but i just remember going on vacation with my family at one summer and then we all came back to school and then everyone was doing pokemon and i was like what happened yeah. who, who are all these little animals that you guys are playing with what's happening <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I missed the wave too, but it was definitely because I was a little too old. I think I hit this point where when emo was really on the rise, I was listening to the music, but I didn't get into the culture because I think I looked at it and I was like, oh no, this is these teens embarrassing years. I can't, I can't have any part of this. I must. <laughs> like I can listen, but I can't, I can't touch it. I'm too old and creepy and bitter now because oh, yeah. I, I went through that as well. It's the MySpace years, which is a very, we didn't give credence to how short those years were when we had them it was maybe five years tops god i wish i could find my myspace but definitely like that was the peak that's where all the bands made tour announcements and emo at the time i think blended in a lot with general alt rock that's where you could see a lot of that blend so you would you could conflate it pretty easily with other pop stuff that was happening but i i feel like i also almost just missed it and the only reason i did it was because i was in marching band and where I think everyone, if you're in marching band, you're always a year or two behind the trend. <laughs> <laughs> or right on top of them. You never know. <laughs> 
speaking of MySpace, did you like participate in any sort of like, I hate, I hesitate to use the word like online fandom about it, but like you said you talked about it like with your friends when it came up in conversation, but like was that, was like online an outlet for you in any way about My Chemical Romance? No, I, I was not in the forums uh, <laughs> as, it, as it were. Because <laughs> online at the time, we still only had just the family computer and my mom used it all the time. I think like I had my social media platforms. I was the first one in the family to get Facebook. And even then, like I used like my mom's email address because I didn't have one yet. Um, <laughs> it, it was wild. Uh, and I at the same time, LiveJournal too. When it comes to online forums, like I think everyone has their first online community, but mine, I remember it very clearly, but I was only a lurker. I wasn't a participant, but I used to be obsessed with the forums for Rotten Tomatoes movies, Rotten Tomatoes movie forums, which is a wild place to find yourself. But <laughs> like the, the the way that those communities operated, I assume is what is how like a lot of those old forums used to work as well, because they were huge, especially like it was especially the movie forums for the Lord of the Rings films, because like everyone knew each other's names. There were threads of like they used to play mafia games that I would follow. Like I knew all of the posters and who had the memes. That was where I first learned about fanfic. But like I didn't I never logged in. I never had a login. I never participated. But it was one of my first ideas of how we can form our relationships and our identities in the online space. But yeah, never about the things that I actually cared about. <laughs> Yeah, I seem to remember there being a, a fairly significant spike of like My Chemical Romance. I think there was My Chemical Romance fanfic. I had some friends that were no. a little younger who were really into it. I am sure oh, that there no. was RPF about MCR. <laughs> there has to have been. Oh, I'm sure. Well, the idea of real person fiction is always like a little bit squishy to me. Mm. You know what? Whatever floats your boat. But if someone ever, like no one's done for a campaign yet, but if someone ever like wrote fanfic about us, I think it would be like, huh. Because I know people from um, Starkit and or know of like their acquaintances, and I know that happens to them a lot. And I think more than anything that I, that's why it's important to me for fan spaces to remain fan spaces. I think that's important for fans. Like I, I think it's fine for occasionally for creators to like pop into fan spaces, but I think it's also important to let fans have places away from the creators so they can kind of consume the content in the way that is meaningful to them but if they know that the creators are actually looking at it i i think that might stifle creativity so i used to look at campaign fanfic i don't anymore not because anything was uncomfortable but it was just kind of like this is not mine this is mm -hmm. people yeah. taking up property and like making it their own I, that's what's important i don't know how i got on <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think that uh i think i had a friend who they had um oh man i don't remember the name of the song and we i literally just watched it as a refresher um the one video that they did where they were kind of like uh post-apocalyptic superhero kind of characters yeah i think that there was a lot of fan fiction about those characters rather than yes. like them as people like kind of taking a this this universe that they had gotten some glimpse of and building building on that and building something more with it well yeah and i believe that is uh the song called na 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 uh yes that does make that is the lyrics so I, I, I was thinking that can't be the name of it but it is it, it is it is absolutely <laughs> that um but also like a real person like there's a grand tradition like one direction exists because of the uh, the the armies of fan fiction writers i think it's a grand tradition and we should all like respect it. <laughs> but yeah i am um i i never participated in forums but now 
I'm almost like wanting to revert back to my teenage years and like talk to someone about it. Like, oh, I want to go in the forums, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to circle back because like I think there's something like not really knowing their music, but what I do know is that like long break that they took. And I feel like that is almost like infamous in terms of like, I guess like internet culture is just people being like, oh, when's my chemical romance going to come back? So like, how do you feel like your relationship maybe not changed, but like, how did it develop over this like long hiatus that the band took? It's wild. Like I didn't realize how strongly I felt until they announced those Chicago dates and I burst mm-hmm. into tears. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, like it becomes not real anymore. Like it becomes uh, like listening to Jimi Hendrix or Janis Joplin. It's like, oh man, this music is just music. It's not attached to anyone that I can see or feel. And I imagine that's how deadheads feel about all of their oeuvre because we've had so many years to just reconsume the content and figure out what it means to us and why it means that to us like for some reason i want to say three years ago the only i like in the same way that i listen to podcasts now i just listened to danger days on a loop for like two weeks because i never got sick of the songs and i wanted to like listen to them and get them in my brain so now i can say i know every word to every song on every album which is easier if they only have three four i guess (laughs) like if you're being a pendant but it's changed a lot and it's made them much more surreal to me and made it not stressful but uh (laughs) very like important like i it made me understand like properties being of that much importance to people because i never really had that i never felt like true fandom passion for things like i like things but like never enough to get a tattoo of anything you know but i think they might be getting to that point for me like guys i'm i'm seeing them twice on tour <laughs> i made a big mistake but that was a mistake uh because uh, what happened so like they're coming to riot fest right and i thought like oh the thing about riot fest i don't know if you've ever been or ever been to an equivalent festival for those headliners it gets crowded and i think for like a return for of mcr it's gonna be i felt myself getting stressed out about it already so i i lo- start looking at other dates like oh, places with seats where i know that i'm not going to be like elbowed or or squashed or anything like that and i looked at detroit and first of all th- my first mistake was looking at scalpers websites and i didn't even know they weren't even on sale yet like oh this is too expensive but then i talked to my boyfriend and he said he's from detroit and he said no those seats will they'll sell at the rate that the stadium sets so then we made plans to instead go to see them in detroit just to that would be a lot easier. In the meantime, my dear sainted sister bought me Riot Fest tickets, <laughs> which is so, so, so nice because like that's three days of uh, festival fun. And then I talked to my boyfriend and he said, well, I still want to go to Detroit. So I say the money that I saved on, on Riot Fest tickets that I'm, I bought the tickets for Detroit. They're not great. <laughs> but so I'm gonna, we're going to go see them in Detroit. They're, we're up in the nosebleeds. It's fine. And then I get to come back to Chicago and see them again. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm great. This is good. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm probably a bad person to give advice because I was very briefly very, very deep in band fandom and, and definitely, you know, went across country following a band and all of that kind of nonsense. But I think if you see if you saw them once, then you would want to see them again. So now you've got your bases covered like they, that definitely would have happened because I think 
especially if I'd only seen them at Riot Fest, like I was talking to friends and we were talking about like, if we want to get good seats, we're going to have to get there early and just stay at the stage the entire day. And that is so anxiety inducing to me. And like the Riot Fest crowd is pretty chill. I've never seen them go wild or anything. Uh like the biggest crowd I've ever seen was for Run the Jewels and even then everyone dispersed like pretty like handily and, and quickly but it helped me realize like how important seeing the band was to me that I didn't want to risk being not able to see them or like oh what if I'm stuck behind someone tall blah, blah, blah. like going down to spiral of like if this is my only shot I can't fuck it up so that is why I'm going to be at Little Caesars Arena <laughs> 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 on September 9th which is a that's a wild name for a stadium anyway yeah. uh but that's I don't think I would do that for anything else and that's why I feel fine doing it I, I feel like if this is my thing why not go all in? No, absolutely. I mean, like, there's no, it's too short because to, you never know, like, you are they going to ever tour again? Yeah. Like, you Probably might as well not. lean into it. Like, yeah. I don't know why they're touring now. I thought they're, <laughs> I, I thought they were just going to do a few dates in California to like raise money for something or other. And then they just dropped this trailer and they're right now they're in Europe and going on this huge tour. And it's just like, I, I want to know why, but I'm also not going to, maybe Gerard just got bored and their Umbrella Academy production is going too slow for him. <laughs> <laughs> Are there like certain expectations that you have seeing them live like especially because you know you've listened to the albums so thoroughly and like there has been such a long time for that like almost like tension to build basically well here's the thing my cam has a reputation of not being very good live even i knew that back in the day we're like not not being good but it's so highly produced that it is hard to replicate especially like poor gerard like he in the studio he's singing high tenor you can't do that every night unless you are working in musical theater and you have a vocal coach so like i think that's why they kind of stopped not stuck but they don't never toured as much because it was hard to replicate what this the sounds that they were making in the studio live so i'm trying to set my expectations pretty low because it's been a while and but then again maybe it's fine maybe it'll be better than i even thought but it, it's truly like they're all dads now you know <laughs> <laughs> they're all emo dads and you know we, we get what we can it seems like it's it's i mean I, I understand what you're saying it's such uh it's like big music it's complicated music it seems like it might not translate as well live although the one time that i almost saw them live was was also at one of those big kind of music festival things and i did leave before <laughs> before they played because i was there for someone else <laughs> i feel bad about it now but <laughs> no 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 well the thing if i'm remembering correctly they never toured they did Warp Tour, which I guess counts, but they never toured the Black Parade. They did it as an opener for Green Day for a while, but I, they never toured it on its own. Or if they did, they, it was mainly Euro, a European tour, but it was still like in the States, we never really got like the full like bombastic U2-ass stadium tour for all those albums. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, it'll be fine. <laughs> I feel I feel like the the enthusiasm like as soon as they announced this the the meltdown on my Twitter timeline was just incredible like I think that people have <laughs> yeah. really strong emotional connection to this oh, band yeah. and and it seems like just being in the presence of that many people who know all the words who are going to probably sing along very loud that that energy is is going to be enough like is there is there a specific song that you're really hoping for that experience from like do you have oh, one that's a I favorite or you think will be best live Oh, I don't know. I love them all so much. <laughs> oh, I'm already not doing very well. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh. 
Because, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to play Black Parade front to back? Are they going to smatter it in? Are they playing all three albums? What are they doing? They must, because <laughs> in, in the trailer, they implied that they're playing all three albums. But that's so much. And I don't... Oh, God. Um, <laughs> like, I think there are some B-sides that I thought were uh, really lovely that never got put on an album. They're, like... I think it was. I think it's just called California, which is lovely. And... Oh god, they're all so good. I for a while there I told everyone that my favorite song was Mama, which like by the way, if you ever want a, someone to kick you in the nuts when you say your favorite emo song is Mama by Ke- My Chemical Romance, like I was once at an emo night here in Chicago at Beauty Bar and my dear friend Charlie has more hutspud than I do and she it was my birthday and she said went up to request it and the DJ looked at her and said no <laughs> that's so cold it's not a fun song i like it because liza minnelli's on <laughs> uh because like the most like theatrical like version i would love to see what they do with it i just i'm i'm desperate to know i want to see like are they gonna have a stage show are they gonna do a slipknot or, or is it just like four fellas playing their music i don't know i'm just, I, i'm I'm very interested. This is not a deep question. I just immediately thought, have you already picked out an outfit for these concerts? Absolutely, I've already picked (laughs) out. It's September, so like I have have a plan. I have a workout plan for the summer. (laughs) So I can wear the things that I want to wear. Because I I want to dress like an adult. I'm a 30-year-old woman, and I need to dress like an adult, but I also need to look incredible. Because I need to give credence to, like, the squat little 14-year-old who who loved this band. Oh, God. I think, like, mesh shirts, probably. I feel like I could still get away with those, right? I don't know. And that there's concert gear. It's different from festival gear. I need to have two different outfits. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be... I'm so stressed out already. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so stressed out. But I think it's like it's exciting to not have any expect really no concrete expectations of what the event is going to be like. Yeah. Because then I think you can focus on like, well, what's my experience going to exactly. be? Exactly. And it's going to be focusing on what I'm gonna wear or like how I'm going to like prepare for this. Exactly. And then you can just like be there for the moment. Yes. I've a couple months to free myself of expectations, which is gonna be impossible, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you set your expectations low, then you're always pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Maybe it will just be four emo dads, like, I love some that. songs. And I you know what? That. That'll be okay. That's great. Frick, last, I, I, it must have been two Right Fests ago, I just walked by while my Bloody Valentine was playing, and you know what? They shred. They shredded. <laughs> Good for them. We, we're all doing great. We're all doing our best, you know? Like. Listen, the difference between a good performer and a good musician and a good concert is wide. It's really, really wide. And some of your best, even if they're technically proficient, sometimes a person can't put on a good concert because like either they're nervous or they just don't have the production value that you would want. And you have to kind of balance that out and go there for the things that you were interested in. Like one time I saw Elvis Costello. He was wonderful. Concert was very boring. It was very boring. <laughs> it was just Elvis Costello playing his little guitar. I was like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was curious about, um, since you didn't have the opportunity to see them live when they were new, like what your your kind of live music experience has been like. Do you have a, um, a style of live music experience that's, that's your favorite? Like, are you kind of a mosh pit person? Or are you, I just want the music and the sound to be good? person do you like really operatic kind of staging uh, of a performance like what what really is your jam well the great thing is that chicago has 
given me the privilege of seeing a lot of wonderful live music and various different experiences. Even early on, I was a go upstairs and sit down kind of person. Even for bands that I really, really cared about, it was more important to me to be able to see and hear the music more than anything. Um, And like, I have my favorite venues, like the Aragon Ballroom. Oh, if you've never been, it's the most beautiful venue in the world. They have it's ample. Gorgeous, yeah. The bathrooms are ample. The bars are many. <laughs> It's like I've I've truly never had a, a better experience. Um, for that I was there for a punk show. Uh, I was there for the Lawrence Arms, and for that I was sort of like in the pit. But that's because I was with people who I trusted, who were like little punk boys who said we're going to take care of you. Like, oh, thank you. But more than anything, I my first festival ever was Riot Fest two years ago, and I don't think. Oh no, that's not true. I worked a booth at Pitchfork a while ago, which is fine. Whatever. Festivals are hard. I understand how people can make it sort of a, a lifestyle because it's very appealing and you're amongst people who are all sort of there for the same reasons. But I think Riot Fest is kind of the only thing that would be my speed because everyone's like 25 and up. We're all just drinking beers and watching some old folks play music. And like it's big. There's lots, there's four different stages. So there's always something else to do. But as far as comfort level, I am such a planner that if I can't see like ex entrances and exits and have ample space i i don't feel very comfortable which is not to say that i i have never gotten in the mix man last year we went to see taking back sunday and someone started a pit at the taking back sunday concert excuse me who do, who do you think you're seeing and we were not close we were not close to the front there was a pit up front sure someone started a second pit in the back at the taking back sunday concert please sir excuse me and I got knocked around and knocked down and I, I was like, I usually I would be prepared for like that kind of pit thing, but I was mm -hmm. at the Taking Back Sunday concert. I didn't, I didn't think that I needed to. <laughs> I was so upset. I lost like, I bought sunglasses that day. They were like 10 bucks, but they broke because someone stepped in them in the pit at the Taking Back Sunday concert. <laughs> Man, I'm still mad about that. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> it was just during like the, the, the one big song that they have because otherwise there's no song you would make a pit to. You just wanted to. You just wanted to knock some people around. Uh, but yeah, that that's my least ideal situation. I think most ideal is like uh, a band that I love to see at a uh, like a, a good comfy chair. Man, I'm still now I'm thinking about it again. I'm mad again. <laughs> Do you have, I guess, almost like a wish list of how you'd like my chemical romance to like continue like do you want them to make another album yes like or is, are those three oh, okay fair enough <laughs> well here's okay here's the thing they green day has made american idiot into a musical right it's not very good they didn't write a book for it it's just basically the concert it is wild to me that are, there has not been any sort of adaptation of the black parade because it's built for it and the only thing that makes sense to me that it hasn't either is either because the band specifically doesn't want to do an adaptation because it seems like such a cash cow you why wouldn't you or they haven't found an adaptation that isn't like on the nose you know and i think it's the former i think it's just the band like feels like oh it's its own project it's done it's finished but in a perfect world they finish the tour frankie yero like he's got his own solo career and so the rest of the guys gerard's got comic book money to make they make another album gerard does a second solo album because the first one was really good and then they explore what it's going to look like to adapt the black parade and maybe this is just like being a a creative 
I, I think if you talk to a lot of anyone who's like in the arts right now or in comedy or who is also a fan of the Black Parade, I think each of us have an adaptation of the Black Parade knocking around in our heads because everyone thinks that they've got the best idea because it means so much to them. Like, I'm the only one who really understands it. <laughs> it's like, but what if they, if they came to me, man, I would I could make them a TV show. I, I could make them a web series. Oh, what if uh, it's like a it's a play, but like over uh, like it's like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. It's over two days. Like, ugh, we each have one because there hasn't been one. Like, I think my my friend, my dear friend, Charlie, she a couple months ago, she said, "Hey, do you think that the Black Parade kind of parallels Dante's Inferno?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we've all got one." But I would love to either see that or get confirmation that that's something that they never wanted. Then I would be like, "Okay, that's 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 fine." But it just makes me mad that Green Day can make money off of like a ham-fisted adaptation of something that is not. A true rock opera. Ugh. <laughs> it doesn't have interstitials. It doesn't have defined characters. Ugh. God. It just uh, the the book for American Idiot makes me mad. It's just ugh. Whatever, whatever, man. Yeah, you wonder if this is one of those things where just nobody has approached them. That everybody was like, well, surely they must have decided that they didn't want to do this after somebody pitched something. And, and, and I think sometimes it just never happens. Like everyone kind of psychs themselves out and or the, the opportunity never arises or whatever. And it just never comes up. Yeah. And Green Day definitely loves money. So like just the way that the band has carried themselves, like they ended after four albums and just decided well i think we're finished so or maybe it's band dynamics maybe they just didn't get along i don't know and maybe i'm just giving too much credence to like well of course they must have like they're an emo band they were big but they weren't that big so you never know but th that would be my perfect next couple years for them and then they get to retire peacefully make as many comic books as they want yeah. <laughs> the ideal end for most for most projects <laughs> as we all should. <laughs> it's just like a uh, 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 graphic novel yes please all done <laughs> Yeah, did you did you follow them extensively into their solo careers or the things that they did after like Gerard uh, way going into comics like is that have you read the Umbrella Academy I've gotten through two of the Umbrella Academy books I did it because I watched the series because I wanted to support Uncle Gerard the the series is fine but after reading the books it like pretty fundamentally misunderstands the tone which you know I think any superhero adaptation is like that Ellen Page does incredible though but yeah I don't uh, otherwise no I haven't that's how I know I'm not the ultimate fangirl is that I haven't bought every album solo album and got to every solo concert actually like one of my first he hasn't been out of the game for that long because Gerard did do a solo tour and he was here my first year in Chicago he was at the Vic I remember that because it was one of the only like long, long lines going out and people waiting across the, around the corner. And it was still teenagers. Teenagers <laughs> still love email music. Uh, and the only time I've ever seen that since has been like K-pop. But yeah, that, that's the thing. Like when I when I say that, like, I'm not a, a true, true fangirl, like I will like something up until it stops being the property. Then I'm like, well, no. <laughs> Because I, I remember when I was little, I promised, I loved the Lord of the Rings movies so much, I promised myself I would see every movie that came out afterwards that a member of the Fellowship was in, which quickly became untenable. <laughs> it, it, it became, like, I, I remember there was a Kate Blanchett movie that came out right after that was rated R, and I was 15, and I was like, well, that's that plan done with. But I did see Hidalgo, so... 
I got that far. I mean, I I don't want to I don't want to circle back too far, but since you you didn't really like follow kind of all of these offshoots, we haven't really talked about in the the time span between being a teen and getting getting into their music, and then uh, recently finding out that they were getting back together and and doing doing a show. Like, what was your relationship like with the music in the meantime? Was it something that was just it would come up on your playlist, or you might hear it on the radio, or in a Starbucks, or whatever, or was it something where you had had certain music that you revisited at certain times in your life like how did their music kind of connect to you in that intervening time once they were already broken up i think most of all it became music of shared experience it's that fun thing of any sort of fandom where you're like you figure out if someone's in the club and being in the comedy community has been really lovely because you have so many people who and i anime is sort of like this uh but if they're (laughs) pop punk emo heads as soon as you find them then you're like oh okay It, it becomes a way to connect with people like back when i was at comedy sports there was like a group of four or five of us who if it was a sunday and we were free we would go down to beauty bar which has pop punk and emo night and just dance around and and scream but on a personal level i would revisit my chem a lot in in moments where i was feeling nostalgic anyway and wanted to kind of put myself back in that place kind of like a reset like if i was in between jobs or there was a long stretch i've, I've been in chicago for seven years god yes oh god Uh, (laughs) where i was working at a job at a university that was a good job but it was definitely like not why why i came here so i would keep on trying to think of like what am i passionate about what are the things that i'm trying to accomplish like why am i so far away from my roots and that's very i tie music like that to being in florida coming back from drama club and thinking like oh man the whole world's at my feet and so just trying to do that weird factory emotional factory reset and also just reminding myself like of the things that i like because i don't let myself really really like things a lot i like to cons- i like to know a lot about a lot of things but i don't know most of the time i don't like super invest in them to become have it become my thing you know uh because that's a lot of brain space but getting back to like what resonates with you emotionally it's easy to forget that because everything is some sort of emotional resonance but if you get back to the things that are like what what has always pushed your buttons it helps focus me a little bit i just i just love them so much don't mind me though i got like uh, i think this is like the first time this year i've like started crying doing our podcast which is fun no um, no good good it's just like that i i'm very much like i very much connect to that idea of like connecting music to like nostalgia and like where your roots are and mm-hmm. like using it like that so i got i got a little worked up i'm good i'll be fine oh, but... <laughs> and i think okay. being older it's so much easier to be like proud of liking something because there's so many people in the world who get off on like not liking things or if they like something cheesy not telling you but every friendship that i've ever formed is like talking about like there's a reason why pop culture is pop culture it is community connecting to someone as a unit and there's a reason why people like pop music you know it's because it makes you feel things it makes you feel good in certain ways like it's is it cheesy yes but there's 
a reason why che- people like cheesy things because and like that's not even the term it's it's because it releases you from having to feel bad all the time and i love being old enough to know that like man i really do like this this is why i've got i have my late in life anime face <laughs> <laughs> well and there's and there's such a freedom of like realizing that like other people not like not like that other people's opinions don't matter but just being like i can just be enthusiastic about this and i can love it and like that doesn't affect like anything really like it's it's just my own joy and you can just have that without it being like a weird like perceived oh but i have to be cool or whatever no and enthusiasm and earnestness are so like that's what i think people don't understand about a lot of modern comedy and why it's so popular it's because for so long popular comedy and just in general pop culture was avoiding earnestness at all costs but now so many properties have been able to merge like that high volume jokey still funny timber with that earnestness without kind of overshooting it and like parks and rec was a lot like that uh i think all the McElroy products are a lot like that and i think that modern comedy has like almost gotten there and almost over overshot it i don't know if you watched any joe para uh joe para talks with you on adult swim like that is hyper earnestness with comedy and i think that is something that is both desperately needed and is incredibly popular and shocks people when they see that it's incredibly popular because they don't know how that's marketable but the world is bad (laughs) it's easy it's good things are in short supply so that's why i think it's a blessing to be able to grow out of needing to be cool oh god oh geez yeah (laughs) i feel so much better No, so like typically we we sort of ask people like if you had to elevator pitch your topic to someone like someone who's never listened to My Chemical Romance, someone who's never like <laughs> interacted with that scene, how would you like in in a couple short sentences like how would you do that? Oh my god, how would you even do that? Okay, um, oh shit, <laughs> how would you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to throw such a hard question. No, because if it were like anything else, I would be like, okay, I think it would be, hey there, do you like something that is big? Something that you can tell has a a lot of work been, has been put into it. A lot of production value has been put into it and also kind of leaves everything out on the table. There is this band who no matter what, no matter what the tides of music, rock and roll, were kind of going for they always kind of spread themselves out like fillet themselves like a fish found a thing that they wanted to say and emote and then they just did it and that vision because it was so singular it has hasn't really been replicated since it was kind of the only thing of its kind to exist at the time because you can't tell me that event sevenfold was out here making rock operas they were not even if you don't like rock music if you don't like emo if you don't like music at all you can listen to it and feel the emotion and the labor that went into it and that's something that you have to no matter what you have to respect is the same way I respect a marathon runner. I'm never going to do that. I don't get it, but I respect <laughs> it. And if you can listen to that and say there's something in here that I either agree with or inspires me or makes me hate it enough to respond to it, then they did their job. And thank you for meeting me in this elevator. Goodbye. <laughs> 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 I like I like the concept that this is a, not just meeting someone in an elevator, but that it's a, it's a meeting that you have set in an elevator. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that is, why else would you make the pitch? 
Oh, the meeting rooms are open. We were open plan offices. We don't have enough meeting rooms. I have to reserve the dang elevator. <laughs> Dystopia, isn't it? <laughs> Might as well make a sidewalk pitch, huh? And do you have some kind of I, wild I, hypothetical? Yeah, I like, do. And I, I feel like it's a terrible, terrible, cruel trap now. I, I, I feel bad about it, but I'm going to ask anyway because I'm a bad person, apparently. So you're, <laughs> you're going to see My Chemical Romance. You have two opportunities that this could potentially happen, is, as unlikely as it is. If through some... Uh, if I meet them, I will cry. If I yeah, meet I was them, going I will to cry. Say, I will is absolutely that cry. It? <laughs> That's it? <laughs> okay, if you were... After you're crying, do, do you know what you would say to them? Is there anything that you want to say to them? Mm. I want to be so cool. <laughs> Let's let, let go of being, of being no, cool. Like, if you... <laughs> I like Okay, so what I've found... And my experience is fairly limited, but I used to work in a job that like had a lot of celebrities come in and out. They just want you to treat them like a normal person. And I think truly saying stuff like, thank you so much for everything that you've done. This music means a lot to me. And just saying that and trying to be like, I'm, I'm normal. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, do anything bad. And just being able to say that to them honestly and also just impressing upon them, like, I think they know. They've sold out all of their dates in America. They know that they're popular, but just being like, if I could say something specific about a song, like, this is a song that makes me cry every time I hear it. Thank you so much. And through my tears, I would try my hardest to just be normal and have the conversation be a pleasant experience for the both of us. <laughs> Because I think that's very important. They're just human beings, and they deserve to have a normal conversation. <laughs> Don't we all, you know? <laughs> right? Well, Liz, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. This was a delight. Oh, yeah, thank you. Oh, I, thank you. I, I just love them so much. It's a companion. I like it. <laughs> um, where can people find you on the internet? Um, what projects do you want to plug? Uh, this is your space, so please feel free to use it however you want. Um, you can find me on Twitter doing my goblin work at Liz Anderson. That's Liz Anderson underscore 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 because every other permutation of my name was taken. You can always find me on Canada campaign uh or the autonomic podcast um i think a patreon for that's going to be launching soon i don't know when but most of all my personal project is paired it's a weekly show no longer than 10 minutes a little comedy fiction podcast about a digital assistant named perry who's kind of like an alexa except she's self-aware and kind of mean and just helping the humans in her life out uh this week we had our one of our our second guest star serena marie from dungeon rats she's now the community manager for critical role uh just subscribe and download please i love it and it's great and i want more people to hear it and that's kind of it and right now i don't have a job if so if you've got any jobs for me send them my way but yeah that's it thank you so much guys this was really lovely thank you it's so good to have you Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, you can send them to us there or via our email, which is guiltytreasurescast at gmail.com or shut up and let us see your jazz hands. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And if you like the show, tell a friend or take that friend into the city to see a marching band that's somehow playing this podcast. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy. (laughs) 